Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Beatitudes. Yes, it's that time of year again to hear those famous words. Even if you're not real familiar with them, we still take comfort in them, like today's reading in Luke. But the one found in Matthew 5, 3 through 12, appears to be the more popular one. Some of you may disagree with that last statement I made, but during this research and looking up everything, it would refer to Matthew's versions automatically. And yes, you will see Luke included. In fact, I even used Matthew's version in a paper I wrote for my formation in the ordination process. Let's look at the word beatitude. It comes from the Latin beatitudo, meaning blessedness. In both versions, each blessing starts with blessed are. In a commentary I read, it stated that the beatitudes refers to a state of being, whether it be happy, sad, hungry, full, rich, or poor. All are personal qualities needed for the promise Jesus is making to us, stating for your reward in heaven. Mary Fairchild wrote of the Beatitudes, each saying speaks of blessings or divine favor that will be bestowed on the person who possesses a certain character quality. The Beatitudes are some of the most beautiful teachings of Jesus that gives us hope and comfort. It is a promise from God of what could and should be for each of us. Now, we could talk all day long about the Beatitudes, but then I'd never actually get to the gospel. And we miss the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. And I got a sub waiting, so we can't do that. Huh? <laughs> I did put both of the sermons up side by side, and there's a difference, but with the same meaning and promises to each of us to enter the kingdom of heaven. It made me wonder, because you all know that I'm a scholar and a theologian, right? You bet. (laughs) Could it be that the gospel of Luke and Matthew are actually two different events with two different accounts? with the same meaning. Let me explain my thoughts. In Matthew, there are nine Beatitudes. And in Luke's, there are four Beatitudes with four woes. So did Jesus take this opportunity to utilize the same teaching scenario by tweaking it a bit just to two different groups? I know I keep all my sermons since I started this journey 
and I will tweak them based on who I'm speaking to and what new knowledge that I have acquired. Or maybe it's the interpretation of two of the apostles as they saw it. Either way, there is a difference. Matthew's sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus went up the mountain when he saw the crowds and delivered his sermon. Where in Luke, it says in verse 12 before this reading that Jesus and his disciples went up the mountain to pray overnight. So that is why it said they came down from the mountain where he saw the crowd. It continues to say he stood on a level place. Could it be Jesus and Luke is showing us how Jesus's ministry truly works? By being on a level place, it shows that he's not above or better than anyone, but on a level playing ground, he is making a statement that his love is for all, the poor, the lowly of society, just regular people in an ordinary place. When you think about it, isn't this the way we should be approaching our outreach programs today? With love and respect, because all life is precious and should be protected. Let's talk about this crowd that Jesus had to see in front of him. It says Jesus came down with his apostles, but what it doesn't say is that the disciples were up there too because Jesus picked the 12 apostles the night before. So we have the apostles, we have disciples, and we have people from Judea and Jerusalem. And just for information, Jerusalem is in Judea. Well, guess who else is in that area? In Jerusalem, we have the temple, the Pharisees, and the scribes. Do you think it might be possible that they heard what was going on? Or just maybe the Pharisees were hiding in the crowd because we all know how they love to discredit Jesus. I can see that as a possibility. Then it says they came from coastal trade and Sidon, which are Gentile cities north of Capernaum. So we can see the reach of Jesus's ministries from the far north to the far south. You know, in his few years of ministry, that's a lot of walking. But what I also see in here is not only are there Jews, but they mention these two towns, and that means there could be Gentiles there listening to Jesus. Now that Jesus has all these people around him, he sees this as an opportunity to do some teaching to his apostles, the disciples, and the crowd. I believe Jesus knew exactly what the people were there for, and that was for more than an education. They also had issues to be addressed and resolved. They had health issues, and there were some unclean spirits hanging around that just needed to go away. They knew that if Jesus didn't say or do anything to cure them, just to touch him would be enough. And we've seen that before in other gospels. Well, guess what? Jesus healed them all and got to do some teaching and preaching. So there was a miracle and it was done without emphasizing it. And I believe that is where Luke was taking us. 
It was the words, not necessarily the curing that was important that day. Then Jesus looked at his apostles and started the famous Beatitudes. I found it interesting that Matthew's version speaks in the third party when he states, blessed are those or blessed are they where Luke speaks in the second party by saying, blessed are you, and woe to you. Let me quote a commentary I read that said, both the Beatitudes and woes are descriptive rather than prescriptive. They describe already established realities instead of calling us to new behavior, to calculate, to garner blessings, and to avoid woes. The second part of this, which I reworded a little bit to make it easier for me. The Beatitudes are different in that it promises a reward for those who endure rejection and persecution because of their faithfulness to Jesus. The corresponding woes promise punishment to those who are like the false prophets of old. As I said, I love both the Beatitudes. I find real comfort in knowing that God loves us and is giving us the opportunity to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The fact is that nothing in the Bible from the front to the back has ever changed. God is love and loves us all and wants us to live into our covenant with God so we too may enter into the kingdom. I can also see that there are those who might question me and say, man, do I really got to wait till I die for these rewards? Or, you know, I've worked hard all my life. I have money, I have food, and I'm quite happy. Do I really got to lose it all to go to heaven? You know, it's hard for one to answer to make people happy with this. I believe that it is up to each of us to find that answer based on our own theology, theology, put my teeth back in, and commitment to God where you find your comfort because God is waiting for us to follow Jesus's way. I see this as a call to my diaconate mysteries to help the poor because they have no voice. Those who hunger for knowledge and nourishment and those who weep for any reason. For me, I weep for the world. I see Christianity in a downward spiral for a few years. Now that because we're so busy chasing the almighty dollar, we see our happiness based on a bank statement and our only obligations to ourselves. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. When you get off the highway and you look up the road at the stop sign, what do you see? You see those signs that say, Hungry, hard times will work for food, veteran having a rough go. Many people will do all they can to pull forward of them or not pull all the way up. And if we do, then what do we do? We look the other way. I know I used to do it. But now, of days, I have to stop and give a buck. I know it's not much. But what I've said without a word to them is, I see you, you are my brother, you are my sister. I know I'm trying to put a bandage on an amputation, but I don't have a whole lot of choice for it's my life. 
Well, I guess I didn't really choose it. It was somewhat chosen for me. I also faced my brothers and sisters at the food pantry, Crossroads, the Detroit Men's Rescue Mission, as well as other places. Why? Because as long as there's a breath left in me, I refuse to devalue any life form, human or other, to include Mother Earth. For if we destroy her, we too will perish. Jesus is not asking us to sell everything today, although he did ask that of one person, and we know how that turned out. Jesus is not saying that it is better to be poor or hungry versus rich or poor, because we all know people who are very well off to do, and they are great Christians. And we also know some who are poor that are not followers of the word, and you'll see them on TV every day on the news. It's a blend of everything we have and are, a balancing act, so that we can find our own way to follow and serve God. We must realize that the Beatitudes are a picture of true discipleship and dedication to the teachings of Jesus. That nowhere in the Bible does it state it's an easy road to travel as you can clearly see in verses 22 and 26. It wasn't easy then, and it ain't easier now. As a matter of fact, I think it could be harder now. To live in our covenant is not a ticket to our life without pain, illness, failure, or criticism for our beliefs. The bottom line is this, it is hard, and our work as Christians is to be true to the cause because this is not a popularity contest. It's our very souls. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.